afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Podcasting with Will show, formerly known as the Will Rawson Podcast. This will be the first episode of the Podcasting with Will show. And we're just going to talk about sports mostly. So it's the College World Series is on. I mean, it is set with its eight teams that are going to be going to Omaha. And they are. Let's see who are they. Texas A&M. The University of Arkansas. Auburn University. Three SEC West schools. And you have Texas and Oklahoma from the Big 12. You have Ole Miss, another SEC West school that's also there. So another SEC school. Then you have Stanford from the Pac-12 and Notre Dame that's from the ACC. And as far as the matchups go, Notre Dame will play Texas. Stanford will play Arkansas. Texas A&M will play Oklahoma. And Ole Miss will play Auburn. So that is your College World Series. Another interesting fact about baseball is Vladimir Guerrero Jr. currently right now has 87 home runs and on-base percentage of 363 in his first 403 career MLB games. His father, Vladimir Guerrero Sr., had 87 home runs and on-base percentage of 363 in his first 403 MLB career games. That is crazy. So, I mean, and then, see, we also have, what else is going on in sports? We have Stanley's Cup. It will be the Tampa Bay Lightning versus the Colorado Avalanche. The NBA Finals are going on. I think Game 6 is tomorrow. Golden State's leading the Boston Celtics three games to two. I'm hoping to go seven and the Celtics win. Uh, college football season will be coming up soon. I mean, we'll probably start talking about it more in August, but it'll be there. And there's already a you know top 25 out preseason. Not my top 25, but you know, like there's already top 20 because I have the Athlon Sports College Football Magazine right here. And yes, they have a top 25. They also have a, uh, like the early Heisman candidates and whatnot. We'll, we'll give it a look and see what we got here. And then we'll do a more in depth maybe as the season gets closer or something or whatnot. But let's see what we got. The college football. We have. Ooh. It also has bowl project projections for 2022. So, we'll go through all that. Their number one is Alabama. Has them repeating. Of course, you can chalk a lot of that loss up. That Georgia-Alabama game was closer than it seemed. It ended up being 33-18, but Bryce Young doesn't throw the pick six, and Alabama drives down there. 
they had the potential to tie the game. Or at least get it within one or two. Number two is Ohio State. Three is defending champion Georgia. Four is Clemson. Five is Texas A&M. Six is Michigan. Seven is Notre Dame. Eight is Utah. Nine is USC. Ten is Oregon. That is your top ten. Now, I don't know if I would put a – I don't know. I think I would probably put Georgia ahead of Ohio State. Clemson, I don't know if they're the fourth best team in the country. A and M, they seem to all they seem to underachieve a lot. We'll see with the all the five stars and the quarterback battle they have going on between uh, not Calzada, he transferred to Auburn, but between Hayes King and uh, Max Johnson, the LSU quarterback who threw twenty seven touchdown passes last year. And is the son of Brad Johnson, former NFL quarterback and Super Bowl champion. In fact, he was Tampa Bay Buccaneers' first Super Bowl winning quarterback. And Michigan, like, they might be able to go on a little run against Ohio State. I think USC is ranked too high. I don't think they're the ninth best team in the country. That's not just because of my disdain for Lincoln Riley. I mean, I mean, I just don't think that the ta- the court. I mean, Caleb Williams is obviously a talented quarterback. There's no doubt about that. No matter where he plays, he could go to Vanderbilt and probably, and they would be better than they were. They might even win six games if he was there. If Lincoln Riley went to Vanderbilt without Caleb Williams, they'd probably still be. They'd probably still be. Well, you know, like three or four win team. So yeah, Caleb Williams is completely a complete difference maker. But I think Oregon might be a better team. And as in Utah in the Pac twelve, it's also US I think UCLA could end up being a sleeper in that conference. And like I said, A and M they underachieve. To be the man you gotta beat the man. Georgia's still the man. Clemson I just don't know. I mean, they lost Brent Venerables, and their offense played horrible last year with DJ Ogilola as their quarterback. But he's going to be pushed by another quarterback, so we'll see how that goes. Notre Dame lost their head coach, and their starting quarterback, their running back, and their best defender in Kyle Hamilton, so we'll see how well they do. Now let's go through the rest of the top 25. You have Baylor at 11. I might have put Baylor ahead of uh, USC and Oregon. Then you got 12, you got NC State, maybe a little high for the Wolfpack. 13, Oklahoma. That's about where they should be until we see what, you know, what they look like under uh, Brent Venables and Dylan Gabriel. Michigan State at 14? Eh, eh, they're kind of there. They're like, they're that team that could sneak up and maybe uh, ruin Michigan and Ohio State's day in the Big Ten. So we'll see. Cincinnati at 15? Uh, I think that may be a little high for them this season. I think Houston's going to be the AAC or non-Power 5 school that's in contention for a New Year's 6 or a uh, even a playoff spot. I think it'll be Houston. 
16, Wake Forest. Eh, that's about where they should be. Oklahoma State, 17. They lost their defensive coordinator and some guys. Spencer Sanders is an inconsistent quarterback, so. But Mike Gundy's a really good coach, I think. So we'll see what how they do. And they got Derek Mason as their defensive coordinator. He's a pretty solid defensive coach. In 18, you got Tennessee and Josh Heupel. Hendon Hooker quietly had a really good season last year. I mean, he had 31 touchdown passes and like three interceptions. That's like video game numbers at quarterback. And they got experience at the backup position with Joe Milton, who played at Michigan. So that's, I mean, Heupel's got good thing going from there. Then you got Wisconsin at 19. They have inconsistent quarterback play, so we'll see how that goes. And Miami's at 20. That's back about where they should be. I think Miami's a – I think they might legitimately be with Cristobal. He might be the right guy, being a Miami alum, to get them back on the right track to where they could be an elite team in the ACC again. And, you know, if they have Van Dyke for two more years, Tyler Van Dyke, their quarterback, that could be that could be a team to force to be reckoned with later on in the ACC. And let's go with 21. You have Kentucky. Yeah, they – I mean, they're a team that could – I mean, I don't think they'll win the East because Georgia's in the SEC East, but they could be the second-best team in that division. I mean, them in Tennessee should sure, certainly, you know, battle for that slot. Pittsburgh at 22. Uh, they lost Kenny Pickett and to the NFL draft, you know. Was drafted in the first round by the Steelers. And then they lost Jordan Addison to transfer to USC. But I think they'll still be a solid team in the ACC. They got Keaton Slovis, former USC quarterback, you know, there. So we'll see. He wasn't bad. So they, Pat Nardizzi's team should be pretty good. Then Arkansas at 23. I think Arkansas can be better than people are getting them credit for. I think they could be a 10, 10 win team. And, you know, We'll see how they do. KJ Jefferson has really improved as a quarterback, and they have pretty good kicker and decent defense and good running game. And I like their coach, Sam Pittman, so we'll see how that goes. Then you got Houston at 24. That is my – they went 12-2 and two last year. That is my team that I think will – I think they'll replace Cincinnati as the uh, – AAC champ and the team that uh, competes for a New Year's Six or a uh, you know be playoff sp- spot possibly. Then at twenty five, we have Penn State. We'll see how they go. They have a veteran quarterback coming back. Their coach is back. We'll see if they can make some noise in the Big Ten. And you know, there's a few teams just outside the top twenty five. We can mention. Let's see. We'll do the. F- the, I guess you call it the first five out of the top 25. Mississippi State at 30. Texas A&M, they have, or Texas, they have them at 29. Ole Miss at 28. BYU at 27. And LSU at 26. All of those teams are going to be mystery teams. I mean, I think. So, we'll see how they go. And then, if you want to see what the bowl project, projections are, here is... Well, let's count these bowls up first off. There's three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one, twenty-three, twenty-four, twenty-five, twenty-six. 
26, 27, 28, 29, 30, 31, 32, 33, 34, 35. There's 35 non-New Year's Six Bowls. Then 36 with the Orange Bowl, 37 with the Sugar Bowl, 38 with the Cotton, 39 with the Rose Bowl. And then you got the playoffs, and you know, you got the Fiesta and Peach Bowl. That's like, there's only 131 teams in Division One. That is... It's like 80-something teams getting going to a bowl game. That's, that's over half of the... It's like over half of the uh, FCS going to a bowl game. That's ridiculous. But I will talk about that another day, but... Here are their predictions. In the Alamo Bowl, they will have Oklahoma State playing Oregon. Huh. Then in the Arizona Bowl, they'll have Toledo versus Fresno State. The Armed Forces Bowl, they have Houston versus Iowa State. The Bahamas Bowl, Florida Atlantic versus Western Michigan. These are all preseason projections by Athlon Sports. Then the Birmingham Bowl, Maryland versus Mississippi State. The Boca Raton Bowl, or whatever, is Coastal Carolina versus UCF. And then you have the Camilla Bowl. You have Miami of Ohio versus South Alabama. The Cheez-It Bowl, Miami, the U, versus Oklahoma. Back in the 80s, that would have been a national championship game, most likely. Prediction. Then the Citrus, Wisconsin versus Tennessee. Then the Cure Cure Bowl, you have Western Kentucky versus Liberty. The Dukes Mayo Bowl, it's Penn State versus Florida State. The famous Idaho Potato Bowl, you have Air Force versus Northern Illinois, or yeah, Northern Illinois. Then Fenway Park, or Fenway Bowl, which play the Fenway Park, you're going to have Syracuse versus SMU. The First Responder Bowl, TCU versus Cal. The Frisco Bowl is going to be North Texas versus Colorado State. The Fisco, the Frisco Football Classic, UTEP versus Louisiana. Then you got the Gasparilla Bowl. It's going to have Auburn versus Louisville. Gator Bowl, Pittsburgh versus Florida. The Guaranteed Rate Bowl, Kansas State versus Nebraska. An old Big 12, old Big 8, Big 12 North battle. Then you got, if that actually happens, because remember these are all projections or whatnot. Then you got the Hawaii Bowl. BYU versus San Diego State. And then you got the Holiday Bowl, which you, which was probably one of my the more underrated, I think, bowl games of the non like big bowls in the BCS era. Well it used to be like Pac twelve versus Big Big Twelve. Now it's ACC versus Pac twelve, which is why it's predicting Wake Force versus UCLA. Those are two sleeper teams that could be in the playoff conversation, New Year Six. The end of the year. Then you get the Independence Bowl versus Tulane and Army. It's Tulane versus Army. Then you get the LA Bowl, which is Boise State versus Washington State. Then the Las Vegas Bowl, which is Washington versus LSU. Oh man, with the sh- I can just imagine the shenanigans if Coach O was still coaching at LSU. And then you get the Lending Tree Bowl, Kent State versus Marshall. Liberty Bowl, West Virginia versus South Carolina. Military Bowl is going to be Virginia Tech versus East Carolina. Music City Bowl, Iowa versus Arkansas. Myrtle Beach Bowl, Georgia State versus Memphis. New Mexico, you have 
Utah State versus UT San Antonio. New Orleans Bowl, you can have UAB versus, uh, that's Alabama, Birmingham versus Appalachia State. Pinstripe Bowl, North Carolina versus Purdue. Your Quick Lane Bowl, Minnesota versus Central Michigan. Your Sun Bowl, Boston College versus Oregon State. Your Tampa Bay Bowl, Michigan State versus Kentucky. And your Texas Bowl, Texas versus Ole Miss. Future SEC opponents. Then your New Year's Six, you have the Orange Bowl. You have North Carolina State versus Notre Dame. Your Sugar Bowl, Texas A&M versus Baylor. Ooh, old Big 12 matchup. Then your Cotton Bowl is going to be Cincinnati versus USC. And your Rose Bowl, Michigan versus Utah. Then your semifinals, you got the Fiesta Bowl, Alabama versus Clemson. Peach Bowl, Ohio State versus Georgia. And your National Championship game, Alabama versus Ohio State. And they have uh, Alabama winning. We will see how that plays out. Preseason All-Americans, obviously Heisman Trophy winning quarterback Bryce Young is the first team quarterback. Then you got C.J. La- C.J. Stroud, Ohio State quarterback, is number two, second team, and then Caleb Williams is the third team quarterback. We'll see how all that works at the end of the year, and we'll also go back here. They have a uh, in the back of the book, towards the back, they have a uh, they have their this is their top ten Heisman candidates. You have C.J. Stroud at one, Bryce Young, the quarterback from Alabama, who won it last year at two. Which maybe they're, which if they're predicting C.J. Stroud is the number one candidate, they're saying he's going to win. Young's going to finish second, and then Alabama will beat Ohio State and Heisman Trophy winner in the national championship game, much like Georgia did last year. Because I think there's, I don't can't, I'm not sure when the last time a Heisman quarterback won, Heisman Trophy winning quarterback won the national championship. It's been a minute. I remember, I know Charlie Ward. Florida State's quarterback won it all in 93, and Florida State won their first national title. So that was when my Notre Dame Fighting Irish beat them, and I won it versus two matchup early in the in next second to the last game. And then the next week, Notre Dame lost to Boston College, and they went and played in the Cotton Bowl against A&M, and Florida State went and played Nebraska in the Orange Bowl and won the national championship. There wasn't, which I think they should have shared that year. So, I mean, there's kind of that curse of, you know, the Heisman winning quarterback. So, kind of see where Athlon Sports is going here. Then they have Caleb Williams as three. And I think that mostly only the Heisman curse is really only when it's a quarterback, not when it's like a – because when Charles Woodson won the Heisman, Michigan shared a national title with uh, Nebraska. And he was a wide receiver, return man, you know, defensive back, corner, so – I mean, I think it's that only really applies to quarterbacks. And then your fourth guy is Will Anderson Jr., the linebacker from Alabama, who probably will be could be the number one overall pick in the next draft, in the 2023 draft, if it's not a team looking for a quarterback. He would be the number one pick. And then you got Bijan Robinson, the running back from Texas, at five. Braylon Allen, the running back from Wisconsin at six. Jackson Smith, Najimbia or Nojobi at the wide receiver from Ohio State. That's really good. He's at seven. Then Hendon Hooker, the quarterback from Tennessee, who I was talking about, had that 31 touchdowns and like three interceptions. He's on there at eight. Then you got Dylan Gabriel, Dylan Gabriel, 
The guy that's a presumed starter for OU at quarterback, the transfer from UCF, he's at nine. And then Grayson McCall, the Coastal, Coastal Carolina quarterback, at ten. That's their top ten predictions for the Heisman. Their top ten games of 2022, Michigan and Ohio State on November 26th. That's always a generally a really good game or exciting game. And then you got Texas A&M and Alabama. That's on October 8th. That's because last year A&M was the only team to beat Alabama in the regular season. They were one of two teams to beat them that year because obviously Georgia beat them in the championship game. Then you got number three. You got Notre Dame at Ohio State September 3rd. Then you got Oregon versus Georgia September 3rd as well. I think that's opening week. And that's an interesting game because Georgia's former def- Georgia's national championship former defensive coordinator is now Oregon's head coach. And they will also play a familiar SEC foe in Bo Nix. He's the presumed starting quarterback for Oregon. Then number six, you got USC at Utah October 15th. Then obviously seventh, you got OU Texas in the Red River shootout on October 8th. That's a big game, usually. I mean, Texas has been down. OU's been okay. So we'll see how that goes. Both will have new starting quarterbacks, most likely. OU will have a first-year coach, head coach in Brent Venables, who's no stranger to the Red River Rock. And, you know, Steve Sarkeesian, like Texas, he loses OU again, and he might be on the hot seat. Then you got the eighth bet. You know, top game they have for 2022 is NC State at Clemson October 1st. I mean, they have they think pretty highly of NC State and Clemson, so we'll see. And you can never really doubt out Dabo. He is an elite coach, so we'll see how that goes. Then number nine is obviously the world's largest cocktail party, Florida versus Georgia, defending national champs in Jacksonville, Florida, and a Florida team with a new coach in Billy Napier trying to get back to being, you know, a well, I guess a national championship contender or a playoff contender now. Then number 10 is Notre Dame at USC November 26. That's obviously always a big rivalry game. And then if you want – then here's their top 15 impact transfer quarterbacks. They only do quarterbacks on this one. Because obviously there's other impact positions besides quarterbacks. So. By the way, if you hear any music in the background, that's from the local radio station. It's playing on the radio right now, 95.5. Okay, let's see. Here's the top 15 quarterback transfers for 2022. Caleb Williams to USC via Oklahoma. Number two, Spencer Rattler to South Carolina via Oklahoma. Number three, Dylan Gabriel to Oklahoma via UCF. Which, by the way, Dylan Gabriel was about to go to UCLA, but then their quarterback... Dorian Thompson-Robinson, who I think is pretty solid, pretty good quarterback. And the reason why I think, along with Chip Kelly, it's their coach, will put UCLA as a sleeper to win the Pac-12. Dylan, Dylan Gabriel to OU, but he was at one point committed to UCLA. And then you got JT Daniels from to West Virginia via Georgia. He's also, he transferred to Georgia from USC. And then you got Cameron Ward to Washington State via Incarnate, Incarnate Word, an FCS program who has a new coach, by the way, in uh, 
former University of Tulsa quarterback, G.J. Kinney. So hopefully they do well. Then you got Adrian Martinez to Kansas State via Nebraska, which I think they predict them to play each other in a bowl game. So that'll be interesting. Then you got Bo Nix to Oregon via Auburn. You got Quinn Ewers to Texas via Ohio State, which he was committed to Texas at one point. Then Herman got fired. He wanted to try to see if he could copy, could, could you know, capitalize out off of the NIL as a high school senior, and he was told Texas said no. So he reclassified and went to Ohio State, where he played, I think, two to four snaps, and they were all, they were all handoffs. And then he transferred to Texas, obviously, because C.J. Stroud had a really outstanding season. And then you got Casey Thompson to Nebraska via Texas, Jackson Dart to Ole Miss via USC, Kadon Slovis to Pittsburgh via USC, Max Johnson to Texas A&M via LSU, then Michael Penix Jr. to Washington via Indiana, Zach Calzada, the only quarter, well, one of two quarterbacks to beat Alabama last year via to Auburn via Texas A&M. And by the way, uh, I think Stetson Bennett was 1-1 one one against Alabama, so Zach Calzada is the only quarterback to go undefeated against Alabama. He was 1-0. And, and then you got Jaden Daniels to LSU via Arizona State, which they've got, they fired a bunch of assistant coaches because of some sketchy recruiting and stuff going on via the COVID stuff. So, and obviously Jaden Daniels struggled last year. He went from being a potential guy that would, people thought might go pro early early, and, you know, get drafted or be a Heisman contender to, I think he threw 10 touchdowns and 10 interceptions. But he's, you know, at LSU, and he's not even guaranteed to start there. So, we'll see how that goes. And kind of... I guess they gave grades also for the uh, first-year head coaches from last year. They gave, or not first-year head coaches, new coaches at each school. They gave Utah State for hiring Blake Anderson an A+. South Carolina an A for hiring Shane Beamer. Tennessee also got an A for hiring Josh Heupel. Illinois got a B-plus for hiring Brett Bielema. Also getting a B-plus was UCF for hiring Gus Malzahn. Kansas got a B for hiring Lance Leopold, who was formerly at Buffalo. Marshall got a B-minus for hiring Charles Huff. South Alabama got a B-minus for hiring Kane Womack. University of Louisiana Monroe got a B-minus for hiring Terry Bowden. Boise State got a B-minus for hiring Andy Avalos or Avalos. Auburn got a C for hiring Brian Harson, formerly the Boise State coach. Southern Miss got a C for hiring Will Hall. Texas got a C minus for hiring Steve Sarkeesian. Buffalo, C minus for hiring Maurice Linguist. Arizona, C minus for hiring Jed Finch. Or Finch. Finch or Finch, something like that. And then Vanderbilt got a C minus for hiring Clark Leah, who was a former Vanderbilt fullback who was Notre Dame's defensive coordinator before Notre Dame hired Marcus Freeman away from Cincinnati. Then Ohio got a C- for hiring Tim Albin. 
and Arkansas State got a D for hiring Butch Jones, the former Tennessee head coach. And then their current grades right now for 2020, 2022 head coach hires, they gave USC an A-plus for hiring Lincoln Riley. I mean, which is cool if you want, you know, 10-2 every year. They gave LSU an A-plus for hiring Brian Kelly and his fake southern accent. <laughs> then they gave, Mario, or they gave Miami an A for hiring Mario Cristobal, which I think is that's a good hire. I think that should have been an A-plus. They gave Florida an A for hiring Billy Napier. Gave Notre Dame a A minus for hiring Marcus Freeman. I think that's an A plus. I think Marcus Freeman's going to get Notre Dame going again, and they're not just going to get to the playoffs and be like get smoked and get you know out. They gave New Mexico State an A minus for hiring Jerry Kill, He's a former Minnesota head coach. They gave Akron an A minus for hiring Joe Moorhead, who was at Mississippi State. And was offense coordinator, I believe, at Oregon and at Penn State before he went to be head coach at Mississippi State. They gave Oklahoma an A minus for hiring Brent Venerables. Gave Colorado State an A minus for hiring Jay Norvell. Washington an A minus for hiring Kalen DeBoer, the former Fresno State head coach. Gave Fresno a B plus for hiring Jeff Tedford, the former Cal coach. Or they gave me a B plus. They gave TCU a, a B plus for hiring Sonny Dykes. Florida International University, a B-plus for hiring Mike McIntyre, former San Jose State and Colorado coach. Gave Virginia a B-plus for hiring Tony Elliott, former Clemson offense coordinator. They gave Troy a B-plus for hiring John Summerall. Duke a B-plus for hiring Mike Elko. They gave Oregon a B for hiring Dan Lanning. I think eventually that could be a better hire than Lincoln Riley. They gave SMU a B for hiring Rhett Lashley. Virginia Tech a B minus firing Brent Pry, the Penn State defense coordinator. They gave Texas Tech a B minus firing Joey McGuire. Washington State got a B minus firing Jake Durkett. Louisiana Tech got a B minus firing Sonny Cumbie. UMass got a B minus firing Don Brown. Hawaii got a B minus firing Timmy Chang, their former quarterback great. Connecticut got a C. UConn got a C plus for hiring Jim Mora. Then Georgia Southern got a C for hiring Clay Helton, former USC head coach. Temple got a C for hiring Stan Drayton. Ken Wilson, or Nevada got a C for hiring Ken Wilson. And Louisiana got a C for hiring Michael Desmarimowicz or Mo. I'm not, I can't pronounce it. But. Athlon thinks highly of some people. I mean, they have they have Cincinnati over. If you look at that, just the AAC. I'll go over my preview later because I'm still going through and kind of trying to figure out what I think teams are going to do. But on the next episode, I'll probably bring you at least the AAC, maybe the ACC as well. But I'll go through what Athlon Sports is predicting. They have Cincinnati. Oh, yeah, by the way, the AAC is no longer in divisions. They only have 11 football playing teams. 
they have uh, Cincinnati going eleven and two and seven and one in conference. They have Houston going this finishing second, going nine and four and six and two. That's who they also have Cincinnati over Houston in AAC championship game. Then they have UCF Knights at eight and four and five and three at th- finishing third. SMU Mustangs at seven and five and five and three finishing fourth. East Carolina Pirates seven and five five and three finishing fifth. They have Memphis finishing six and going seven and five and four and four. They have Tulane Green Wave going finishing seventh, going six and six and three and five. They have the Tulsa Golden Hurricanes going six and six and three and five. Then they got the USF Bulls at four and eight and three and five finishing ninth. The Navy Midshipmen at ten going four and eight and two and six. And then the Temple Owls finishing dead last at eleven, going three and nine and one and seven. I honestly hope Navy does better. I think the South Florida Bulls might do better than people think. They have uh, Gary Bohannon, the Baylor quarterback transfer on their team, so he might help them win some games. And if you look at, like, the their last year, they went uh, three, four, five, six. They had seven bowl games last year. Three of them got canceled. The Hawaii Bowl, Memphis versus Hawaii, the Military Bowl, East Carolina versus Boston College, and the Fenway Bowl, SMU versus Virginia, were all canceled because of COVID. Then, obviously, you had the Cotton Bowl, you had the CFP, you had Alabama, Beating Cincinnati twenty-seven to six. Now, but I, I got frustrated because I saw some f- friends on my. Uh, they were basically on social media blasting the fact that Cincinnati got there and saying they don't belong to play with the big boys because Alabama crushed them twenty-seven, beat them twenty-seven to six. And now some of these people were, more particularly, they were like hardcore OU fans and stuff. And I was like, well, I was thinking back to when LSU. And Clemson and a few other teams killed OU in the playoffs. I'm like, so I guess OU didn't belong there? They shouldn't be playing against the big boys? No, I mean. So, I mean, Cincinnati belonged there. They did what they needed to do to get there last year. They beat a team, an 11-win Notre Dame team, that was actually would have probably been in that playoff ahead of them. Would have been the that would have been the team that would have jumped ahead of them, so I mean, yeah, Cincinnati deserved to be there. And not only that, but you think about it, they went two and one against the SEC last year in bowls, the AAC. In the Birmingham Bowl, Houston beat Auburn seventeen to thirteen. In the Gasparilla Bowl, UCF beat Florida twenty nine to seventeen. Their other bowl was the Myrtle Beach Bowl, and Tulsa beat Old Dominion thirty to seventeen. So yeah, they went like they lost their one bowl game. They were that they played. They were three and one and two and one against the SEC. So, and I mean, I think that that's not bad. Like you said, they have. I mean, I think Tulane could be a surprise team. I think SMU is going to do better than seven and five. I think. T- I think Tulane's going to be a... Slasher Tulane started off really well. I think they're going to be a surprise team. I mean, they play at Kansas State. If they win that game, I mean, they very well will go 4-0 in their non-con if they beat K-State. But, I mean, they also they have to win, beat UMass and Alcorn State. But they, 
assuming they beat those two teams and they beat Kansas State and Southern Miss, they'll their open conference play against Houston. And if they, you know, you have four games on your belt, you beat K State, in K State, you could very well beat Houston at Houston. And then they play a couple. Of, then they play South Florida, which is a team like I said I think could be a surprise team. And then they play East Carolina, and that's another team that I think could be pretty solid. And Memphis and Tulsa aren't give me so. There's no give me's on Tulane's roster or schedule, but I think they could be one of those surprise teams that gets off to a good start and finishes better than six and six. Then Tulsa, they don't play OU or OSU this year in their knockout. They play Ole Miss, Jacksonville State, and Northern Illinois in Wyoming, at Wyoming. So, I mean, they could. We'll see what they do. I mean, if they win at Wyoming and then I can see them being 3-0 heading into that Ole Miss game, but I don't see Tulsa beating Ole Miss. And then they got Cincinnati at Navy. It's usually a tough one, even if Navy's not any good for Tulsa. And you got at Temple, SMU Tulane at Memphis, South Florida at home, and then at Houston. I think they might be – Tulsa probably going to finish about 6-6. Six and six. You said South Florida is a team I think could could be a little bit different. They play a tough non-con. I mean, they got BYU. I mean, Howard should be a win. Then they got at Florida and at Louisville. That's a tough non-con schedule before they play, start AAC play against East Carolina, which is a tough game. So we'll see. I mean, they could slip in there with a bowl game for a – Oh, Jeff Scott, former Clemson, I think, coordinator, offense coordinator. Then let's just – and basically I'm only doing what? I'm going to give you, like I said, Athlon Sports' predictions. In the Atlantic Division of the AACC, they have – they have Clemson going 12-1 and 7-1. and which, by the way, they have Clemson over Miami in the AACC championship game. Then they have NC State, 10-2, and 6-2 in the Atlantic Division at second. You know, second. Then three, they got Wake Forest, 9-3 and 5-3. And, and, and you got four, you got Florida State Samuels at 7-5 and 5-3. And 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 then you got five, they got Boston College at 7-5 and 4-4. And, 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 and at six, they got Louis, the Louisville Cardinals at 6-6 six and 3-5. Six and, and, and at seven, they got Syracuse. They got the orange going six and six and three and five. So basically, they have everyone in the Atlantic Division getting bowl eligible. I think Boston College, if their quarterback stays healthy, they could be better. Florida State, it'd be good to see them get back on top because another losing season and the guy I think should be the number. I mean, their coach should be on the hot seat, and the guy that I think very well could be their next head coach or should be is Deion Sanders name could start popping up is coming there so hopefully for their coaches sake he gets it going and then in the coastal division they have Miami the hurricane going nine and four and six and two and winning the division and then they have Pittsburgh they have Pitt going nine and three and six and two and I don't know if Miami will dethrone Pitt as the coastal division champs 
And then you got North Carolina. They're the Tar, Heel go, Tar Heels going 7-5 and 4-4. Four and four. Another okay season for Mac Brown. Then at four, you got the Virginia Tech Hokies and their new head coach going six and six and three and five. Then at five, they have Virginia, the Cavaliers going five and seven and two and six. Then six, they have Georgia Tech, the Yellow Jackets going three and nine and two and six. Then seven, they got the Duke Blue Devils going two and ten and zero oh and eight. Wow, it's interesting. And let's see. Yeah, like I said, I think Boston College could be better than seven and five. They have seven defensive players returning, but offense they only have five. But the key is they have Jakubovic, their quarterback, coming back, who was injured most of last season. So hopefully, and he's also a Notre Dame transfer. Hopefully, this kid stays healthy, and they can get, you know, they can get rolling. And Clemson, they're going to have a quarterback battle because obviously DJ Ugovaloli was, he threw nine touchdowns and ten interceptions last year. And his yards for carry rushing the ball, he had 308 yards, but he had 2.9 yards of carry and four touchdowns. He'll be pushed by freshman Cade Klubnik or Klubnik. So we'll see what happens there for Dabo. But Dabo's got. Devils Clemson team is dangerous in ACC. I can see very well see them winning. They have winning it and getting to the playoffs. They have eight starters on defense returning and seven on offense. But like I said, DJ needs a bounce back season. Our club Nick needs to play really well, like Trevor Lawrence. Well, we'll see how that goes. And like I said, Boston College has Jakovic back for them, and he's the he's the key to them. I think winning because they also have seven def- they have seven defensive players back, so we'll see. Florida State. Jordan Travis didn't play horrible last year, so we'll see if uh Oh we'll see if their coach, Mike Norvell, gets off the hot seat or stays on the hot seat. Louisville's quarterback, Malik Cunningham, was he almost joined the 2020 club. He threw 19 touchdown passes and six in, to six interceptions while rushing for 1,031 yards and 20 touchdowns. So he almost joined the 2020 club. He had 2,941 yards passing. So we'll see, you know. He's a senior. We'll see, like, you know. We'll see what he can do for Louisville. So last year they finished 6-7, and seven, so... See if they can do better than that. NC State, who Athlon's thinking pretty highly of, their quarterback, Devin Leary, went. He threw for 3,433 yards, 35 touchdowns, and five interceptions. That's not bad. And they got 10 starters back on defense, seven on offense. So they're going to be – the ACC is going to be pretty competitive, I think. Syracuse has eight on offense and eight on defense back. For Dino Babers, I hope they do better than 6-6 six and six, just because he's a good coach, I think, and I really hope they he needs a bounce-back solid year. But, I mean, getting to a bowl game should keep him around. They have Mississippi State transfer Garrett Schrader, you know, running their offense. He ran for 14 touchdowns last year, only threw for nine. 
He had 14, 1,445 yards passing, 1,496 yards rushing. So he almost had 1,500 rushing yards. Or no, actually that's their running back, Shane Tucker. He was also back for them. Schrader, Tucker had 12 rushing touchdowns. Schrader, who led them in, was second in rushing at 781 yards. So he almost had 800 yards rushing, 14 touchdowns, averaging 4.5 yards a carry. So hopefully do better. Then you have Wake Forest, who's like one of those sleeper teams. Their quarterback threw for 4,228 yards, 39 touchdowns with to 14 interceptions. He also had 3.1 yards a carry. 11 touchdowns, and basically had 363 yards rushing. So, again, the ACC is going to be really competitive. Now, defensively, Rake Forest only returns six starters. They have nine on offense. And then Georgia Tech's coach, another subpar season, and old Joff Collins will be, and they're saying he'll go three and nine, so... He may be, and this is year three for him, the nine and twenty-five record. He may be looking for a new. He may be looking for a new job at the end of the year. Then you have the Hurricane and their super sophomore quarterback and Tyler Van Dyke, who threw for almost three thousand yards, twenty-five touchdowns and six interceptions. We'll see what he could do. Him taking a leap forward could be the difference between Miami getting back or just, you know, us just saying that we think Miami's back. I think they're a year away, maybe two. If he stays around until he's a senior or the Jay Garcia kid who's a freshman, you know, takes over because Van Dyke goes pro as a junior. I think Miami's a year or two from being back. So we'll see. I think Mario Cristobal can get them back going. Then, you know, North Carolina obviously – they had a disappointing, you know, season last year going 6-7. and seven. And they got to replace a lot of starters on offense, including their quarterback, Sam Howell. So, we'll see how that goes. But they have seven returners starters on defense, so we'll see what Mac Brown's able to do with them. Like I said, Pittsburgh, they have seven defensive starters, and we'll... Seven offensive starters now with Jordan Addison leaving. But Slovis is obviously he's got starting quarterback experience. They have a solid backup in Nick Petty. So we'll see. Because I believe quarterback Davis Bevel transferred to uh he was one of the backups. I think he transferred to OU. So Yeah, Davis Bevel, Bevel. So we'll see what happens there. But I think Pittsburgh could be in pretty good shape. Although they have a tough non-con. Their first few games, West Virginia and Tennessee, that's no joke. Then they got it gets a little bit easier with Western Michigan and Rhode Island, but again, you know. That's why we play the game, so we'll see how that goes for them. Virginia's got a pretty solid quarterback coming back. So I'm not sure if five and seven is exactly they may do better than that. Brandon Armstrong or Brennan Armstrong pleaded. He threw for 4,449 yards, 31 touchdowns to 10 interceptions. Ran for nine touchdowns, but only averaged 2.6 yards a carry. So we'll see what they can do. Then you got Virginia Tech, obviously. They predict them to go to a bowl game. 
Now let's go to the Big 12. Let's see what we got. They have predicted Baylor to win the Big 12. They predict Baylor over Oklahoma in the Big 12 championship get Big 12 championship game. But they have Baylor going 10 and 3 and 6 and 3 overall. Then they have Oklahoma. They have OU finishing 9 and 4 and 6 and 3. Oklahoma State, the Cowboys going 8 and 4 and 5 and 4. They have Texas. They have the Longhorns going 7 and 5 and 5 and 4. Which I mean, that's a step up for Texas. But at the same time, they fired Tom Herman, and I think he went. What did he do? Have an eight win or nine win season? Maybe even seven and five like that. And then they got rid of him. So we'll see. Hopefully, we'll see if that keeps Texas from firing Sarkeesian if he doesn't land Arch Manning. Then you got Kansas State. They have them finishing fifth, going eight and four and five and four. And then Iowa State. They have the Cyclones going finishing sixth, going seven and five and five and four. They have West Virginia finishing seventh, going seven and five and five and four. TCU finishing eight at six and six and three and six overall. Then they got Texas Tech going five and seven and three and six, finishing ninth. And then they have rounded out the bottom of the Big Twelve. They have Can- the Kansas Jayhawks at four and eight and two and seven. Which, by the way, four and eight's a lot better than what Kansas has been doing. So I'm gonna go take a look at the Big Twelve and see what. I'm looking at Baylor's non-con. They play BYU, a future Big 12 team. Or no, wait, no, they don't. That was last year's record. Oh, yeah, they play BYU early in the season. But then they got Texas State and Albany as their other two non-con games. And then, you know, so obviously they had they the Big 12 kind of being very competitive if they're breaking Baylor to go 10-3. and three. Like they have them losing at Oklahoma and then beating Oklahoma probably in the Big 12 championship game. Then Kansas is non-con. They have Kansas plays Tennessee Tech, Houston, and Duke. Uh, Houston's, I think, going to be a loss for them for sure. Duke and Tennessee Tech, it's Kansas. I mean, last year they finished 2-10. and 10. They only beat South Dakota and Texas, so we'll see what they do. They do return, like, they do return nine starters on offense. They have a new quarterback, and then seven on defense. Cooley and Broken Arrow, Oklahoma product, Gavin Potter is a senior. They have him coming back, so... I mean, we'll see how well they do with uh, how much they improve. And then Kansas State. I mean, they have South Dakota, Missouri, and Tulane in their non-con. Not the easiest non-con. And then... They lost their starting quarterback, Skyler Howard, or Skyler Thompson, to the NFL draft. He went pro. But they have Will Howard back. He was he played some last year as a sophomore. The backup Adrian Martinez to Nebraska transfer. They could be better than people think. Then you got Oklahoma. Their non-con is UTEP and Kent State. UTEP did not terrible last year. Kent State, I think, might they might be one of those mid-major bowl teams, but you know you should beat both of them. At Nebraska, is Nebraska played them tough. 
Nebraska last year went three and nine, but historically they were the best three and nine team in college football history. And I think they, in conference play, they they scored the same amount of points as their opponents. So very Nebraska very easily could have been nine and three or even twelve and zero in regular season. So that's again that's not going to be an easy game for OU. And then to play Kansas State right after that. You got at TCU, at Tech, or then versus Texas in the Red River. None of those games are going to be, you know, slouch games, sleep or games to sleep on. And then they got Kansas at Iowa State, at Iowa State. Then you know Kansas played them tough at Kansas, and then you know Kansas beat Bay- Texas last year, and they weren't supposed to. Then you go, you play Baylor at home at West Virginia, Oklahoma State at home at Texas Tech. Oh, you can. Oh, you can. I could very well see OU going undefeated, but I could also see them lose, going nine and four, like Athlon predicts. We'll see. I think it's gonna be somewhere in between that record. Like Oklahoma could slip a ten and two in there, and I would not be upset about that. And then you know, they could definitely slip a ten and two in there. Said they're gonna. Dylan Gabriel is their starter. And Nick Evers, a freshman, highly touted freshman, is their backup. With a few other guys in there in that quarterback room. You know, the even it out. Teen days and we get a new album. And then Oklahoma State. Let's see what their non-con looks like. Central Michigan, Arizona State, Arkansas PB. Arkansas Pine Bluff. Let's see how that goes for them. The key for Oklahoma State is well, they lose. They only have five returning starters on defense, seven on offense. But the key to them is Spencer Sanders' play at quarterback. That is their key. But I would say that Coach Mike Gundy should get his 150th win opening day. Then you got TCU and their new coach. They got their non-con is at Colorado. Turtleton State at SMU, who's a rival. We'll see how that goes. They're going to have an interesting quarterback battle with Max Dugan, the senior, versus Chandler Morris, the freshman. So we'll see how Ma- we'll see how that plays out. Then Texas, their non-con is Louisiana Monroe. They play Alabama at home. And then they play University of Texas San Antonio, who was pretty good last year. Louisiana Monroe was not very good. Alabama obviously was runner-up, was SEC champs and runner-up and runner-up. So for the national championship, so I don't know. But they're going to go with right now. It's Athlon saying Quinn Ewers will be their quarterback, freshman transfer, and then Hudson Card, who played last year in. He threw five touchdowns and only one interception, so he wasn't horrible. He'll be the... Nebraska, and Texas also is breaking in a new kicker, so see how that goes. Texas Tech's non-con is Murray State. That should be a W. Then Houston and NC State. That's not an easy non-con for a new head coach. They'll have an interesting little quarterback battle between Oregon transfer Tyler Shoon who started off last year, passed for 872 yards, six touchdowns, three receptions before he got hurt. 
and sophomore Donovan Smith, who threw for 1,181 yards, seven touchdowns, two interceptions. He also ran the ball for 154 yards and three touchdowns. Let's go West Virginia there, non-con. You got the Backyard Bowl brawl coming back. They're playing at Pittsburgh. Then they got Kansas and Townsend. Or no, Kansas is not non-con. Kansas is their opening. Their second game of the season will be a Big 12 game. Then they got Townsend. That should be a W and at Virginia Tech. Another old Big East rival. But then I honestly think there should be like a national law, NCAA rule that Pittsburgh and West Virginia have to play each other every year. Certain teams, like A&M and Texas when they weren't in the same conference, and OU Nebraska should have to play each other. And by the way, the maximum recording time for this is 60 minutes, so I'm going to stop it shortly. And I'll start over with part two. So... Thank you for listening to Podcasting with Will, and join me in shortly for part two, where I will talk about the, we'll jump into the Big Ten. All right.